Welcome to Pleasant Grove Church, where Reverend Dr. Classy M. Preston is the pastor. A place where the Word of God impacts and transforms your life. Let's listen to a power-packed message already in progress. Good morning, church. My name is Charles Phillips, and I have the privilege of introducing our speaker of the hour. First and foremost, she loves the Lord with all her heart and knows Jesus Christ died for her sins and everything else that follows is all because of him. Born in Savannah, Georgia, with over 20 years of full-time academic institution instruction at the college level and three years at high school level with an established record of outstanding teaching high student placement, and successful program and curriculum development, our speaker has a proven ability to motivate and guide individuals to higher levels of self-improvement and organizational productivity. She considers this one of her spiritual gifts and uses it wherever she serves. She is currently on faculty of North Carolina Central University and previously taught within the schools of business at East Carolina University, University of Memphis, and James Madison University. With a completion in business and information technology and marketing education initial licensure programs from North Carolina State, as well as a master's and PhD from Virginia Polytech Institute and State University, she also earned two bachelor's degrees from Tuskegee University. She is the mother of two daughters, Jessica and Iyanla. Did I get it right? All right. A woman of service here at Pleasant Grove Church. She has served in Grove Teens, the Bible Institute, Hospitality and Kitchen Team, Fruits of the Grove Volunteer, and guest services. In addition to all of that, she is the executive director of the Dream Academy and has led and has led this phenomenal program since it restarted in 2018. I remember it very clearly. It was the fall of 2017 when she and Pastor hand-selected me and four others to form the executive team, which set the foundation for the accomplishments Dream Academy has achieved since then. And I personally have truly enjoyed working with her. Under her leadership, the program has accomplished five consecutive years of 100% high school graduation and college placement rates. Two more Head Cane Scholars at UNC in the same year, over a half a million dollars in financial assistance to dreamers who were accepted and enrolled at independent schools. Multiple college road trips, the establishment of the fully funded summer program held at Cary Academy for Dream, Dream Academy students only, Tuesday evening professional conversations, a board of directors, two three-year strategic plans, a 501c3 status, and the resiliency to survive the global pandemic that impacted us all, and much, much more. I am speaking of, as you all know, no other than Dr. Lachelle Wilborn. Savior, my Savior, Jesus Christ, I say thank you. Um, thank you for this opportunity to stand before you. Thank you in this opportunity, in this moment, to pray publicly and openly and confess who I am and what I believe in. And so I ask that we clear our hearts and our minds to continue this awesome worship as we celebrate our young people and go before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come before you humbly just to say thank you. 
thank you for everything, for waking us up, for allowing us to come. God, just thank you for life. And I ask that the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, it's acceptable. That God, in this moment, we reach someone. God, I say we, because it's not just me. I thank you for the prayer warriors that have lifted me up during this time, not just today, Heavenly Father, but every day. God, for I know that you have been with me just like you've been with them. So as I come before you, I say thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the senior pastor and the pastors and the ministers, the children, the members. God, because they have become family, and we say thank you. All this we ask for in the precious name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. First of all, good morning. I just want to say a big shout out to the multimedia team for getting my slide together because it's beautiful. It is beautiful and it's beautiful because it's the essence of who we are. It's beautiful. It's because, as Pastor Preston said, it's what we believe in. And so today I'm a step into that role that I am blessed to have because I can go down that hallway and it's not just today that I have the opportunity to talk to these young people. It's every day. In the classroom, back in VA, back in the Grove, the Institute. And so that's what we're going to talk about. So you guys ready? Yeah. All right. Let's, and uh, Wilson family, how about that one? That's all right. Isn't that beautiful? Man, that's great. So what you see on the um, slides you do see DA we on um, this summer. Oli used to front and center. A couple of you guys recognize yourselves. Deacon Jay is in the back. Um, this summer, as Mr. Phillips mentioned, we have a summer experience with DA. And DA goes to CA Area Academy. And one of our field trips, we had gone to the museum all day. And we went to North Carolina Central University and we met with their admissions team and we were on campus and that was a photo and we had lunch on campus. And so those are those beautiful people. Um, you see the Huff family, you see the Langwood Reverend, um, Dr. Paula Smith-Sawyer. And a photo that I received the other day, it just took away any worry, any concern, or any pain because it was just beautiful. And when you talk about being wonderfully made, this is the essence of it, the innocence of children. I didn't even ask the Wilsons could I use it. I just used it, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so thank you, there, thank you. All right, but this is what it's about. Um, and we're going to go ahead, and it's going to be a very non-traditional type of um, sermon, speaking, preaching, whatever you want to call it. Faye Mims Barbie, I'm going to tell you like I tell my students, where are you? You got to go to the bathroom, you go. If you got to leave, you go. But I'm here. And we're going to do what God has for me to do. Um, and we're going to start with a reading. If you are eight and under, seven, Lydia, I think those are my only two, and the Wilsons, if you guys will come to the front. You can hang out right here, or you can crisscross applesauce right here for me. You know crisscross applesauce? You know that? Okay, well, have a seat because you're going to look up here. Mom, you may not want to crisscross, but you can have a seat too. All right, so you guys earlier, you read and heard the Old Testament scripture and the New Testament. And I think it, but I want you to look at the screen. Seven, you got to turn around. It's for you. Okay, have a seat. All right. And we have been blessed in this building, in this branch of Zion, that you have people that care about your children, that invest financially in your children. And so as a Bible Institute under Pastor Joseph and working with Deacon Diana Bing Lawson, we were teaching five and eight-year-olds. And what we discovered was that, Nicholas, you remember this book? Yeah, I know. We beat this book up and we finished it. Then we went to I Can Learn, and we just about finished it. And we found that our, while our kids were still five to eight, they had surpassed it. Braylon was in the class, Journey, I mean, like super brilliant kids. But what I discovered was that God's word is God's word. And so what we're going to do, if you guys can listen to me, I'm going to read this to you. This is the same scripture that the big people read, okay? But it's for you. 
And it says, you are young, but do not let anyone treat you as if you're not important, because you are, okay? Be an example to show believers how they should live. Show them with your words, use nice words and kind words. Show them the way that you live with your love, with your faith, and with your pure life. So what I'm talking to you guys about is how you speak, what you do, how you treat people, okay, is important. And we're going to see why it's important because we're going to read a quick book. Next up, please. I want you guys to always remember this. Watch. Your book's going to come up in just a second. Got my slides? If not, I'm going to read my book. All right. That you were designed by God and made special. Okay? So now, adults, I need for you to pay attention, and my teens as well, because what you're going to see is a message. And if you're wise and you're good, you're going to see this message repeat itself when I get to your turn. Okay? Okay, designed by God, so... You must be special. Are you guys special? I know that's right, girls. Okay. Next page, please. God gave you your eyes so that you could see all the beautiful things around you and me. Like turtles and goldfish and little bugs galore and when your best friend comes knocking at your door. There are butterflies of every color, bunnies, frogs, and puppies, too, rainbow kittens and candy apples, just to name a few. He gave you your ears so you could hear all the many sounds, both far and near, like robins in her nest who sing bright night and day, and when your mom says, I love you in a very special way. There's that sweet lullaby she sings each night as she gently tucks you into bed and turns out the lights. Thanks, I love you. He gave you your nose so that you could smell all of grandma's goodies and other things as well, like sugar-coated rainbow chunks and marshmallow delights, or candy, caramel candy popcorn, which is yummy to your bite. And all the smells of fresh baked pizza, cookies, brownies, and candy too, that are about the smell of rose red roses that he's created just for me and you. He gave you your skin so you could feel all the great sensations that are warm and real. Like when your mom hugs you and tickles your back, or when the little dog jumps into your lap. There's that soak in the tub after a cold rainy day, and that squeeze from your dad when he's been away. Mmm, feels good. He gave you a body so that you could be free to experience this world around you and me. Like jumping rope and running and climbing big trees or playing freeze tag and maybe even looking for bees. Also fishing and swimming just to name a few and chasing your friends both old and new. He gave you your mind so that you could dream of lollipop castles and moats of ice cream. You can think and you can plan, you can invent with your mind. What a wonderful tool you were so lucky to find. You can imagine and dream, oh, what a great thrill. You can go where you want by the act of your will. He gave you a heart so you could feel the many tender feelings that he made so real. Like the hurt in your heart when a tiny bird falls from its nest and you pick him up gently and tenderly give him your best. Or that super good feeling when your aunt hugs you real tight, then looks in your eyes and smiles with delight. He gave you your spirit so you would know that he's always beside you wherever you go, to love you, to protect you, to show you the way, to be there in hard times as well as each day. He designed you with special talents, gifts, and abilities, you see, which lets you know he has something special in mind for you. God made you special. That he that we were talking about is God. And he wants you to grow up and become just what he wants you to do. You're designed for him. And you're going to learn about worshiping him. Okay? So who is the he? Yeah, 
And what does he want you to do? Yes, to be kind. Okay, and use all those things that he gave you. What did he give you? Hearing, sight, smelling. How about touch? How about this? What's in here? My mind. Okay? Now you look at those people. I want you to take a minute. They're responsible for you. Okay? They are responsible. Each person in here is supposed to watch out for you. Okay? So remember, always remember, God designed you really special. Okay? Got it? All right. Now, older people, let's see if you can follow when we go. Thank you all. Okay? All right. All right. So my adults, hopefully you paid attention because it's going to come back. So it's a wonderful book in today's lesson. Now I need my teens. If you want to stay with your parents, that's fine. But I really would like you, just in, like in class, you come on up. I'm not going to have read a book to you. Thank you, Naraya. Y'all can sit on that first row. Uh-uh, y'all about to pay attention. If you are Nicholas, this is your group. This is your group. So if you are 8 to 18, I need you up front. Braylon, where are you going, man? You come on back. All right. We talked about it in class. I do, in my classroom, mm -mm, I'm just not a friendly person. Um, we talked about you guys. Jadon, you guys can sit in the back right behind me. I just want you up front to pay attention. We talked about you guys coming to church, and I commend you because I see you guys all the time. And I sit in that back row, and Pastor Joseph's like, come on up. We tell us, oh, okay. But I sit back there, and these are my notes. And I told you guys, it's like classroom. You don't go into a classroom ill-prepared, do you? What do you take in the classroom? All y'all were scholars up there. What do you take in the classroom? Yes. Notebook, a pen. Because you got to take notes, right? Because there's going to be a test, right? My students are like, what's on the test? What's on the test? All right, well, I'm going to teach to the test today. Okay? The test is, in the biblical sense, in the church sense, one day we're going to all pass. One day we will die. So there's a test out there, and I'm not the teacher, nor the maker, nor anything. But what I'm here to tell you is that we need to teach you to it. So that when you get to that point, you are well prepared. Okay? Can I go back to my slide that said wonderfully made? Because it was so beautiful. It really was. Okay, so this morning, thank you. Um, we're going to talk about how do we get there and who you are. And why do I say that you were wonderfully made? To do that, we've got to go back to the beginning. And I mean the real beginning in Genesis. Genesis 1, I think somewhere around 26 through 31. Oh, and before I really start, too, as a doctoral student, everything that you said, everything you write, you had to give a source to it. If not, you guys know about plagiarism, right? This, in this black notebook, I would have failed because it is plagiarized, okay? That means I didn't write it. Most of it's not my words. Okay? So keep that in mind. This isn't me. So when we go back to Genesis and we talk about in the beginning, please listen carefully. Thank you, Braylon. It says, day one. And God said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he said, it was good. Day two, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters that separate water from water. Let under the water, under the sky, be gathered to one place and let the dry ground appear. And he said, it was good. Day three, and God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed, in it according to the various kinds and he said it was good day four and god said 
let there be light in the vault to the sky that separate the day from the night and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times, days and years, and let the lights be the vault in the skies and give light to the earth. And what did he say? It was good. You see this pattern? What's the pattern? And God said, let the water team, which means fill up with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth and across the vault of the sky. And then what did he say? It was good. Day six, slow your roll. And God said, the land, let the land produce creatures according to their kind. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And God saw it. And it was good. Watch this. Then God said, let us. Mm, you're right. Did you get it? Us. Make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and over the wild animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God saw all that he made, and he said, what? It was very good. Oh, he stepped up his game. He said it was very good. And so what you see in the beginning, it was God. It was God. And God said, but when it came down to you, he brought in somebody. He said, us. I was like, who is us? And why is it very good? So to understand that, and I want you to understand that, and I know famous Barbara said, Pastor Press, I got 19, 20 minutes. I don't know what I got. But I'm here to tell you it was a us. Okay? And it was a very good. So you move forward and you get into John 1, 1 through 5. And let's explain the us. Because the us says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That's a tongue twister. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And the life was the light of all mankind. Young people, who is that light? There you go. That's why you study. <laughs> the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcoming. So in the beginning, after God had made everything, he said, and let God, you know, and, and God did this, but it came to you, he brought in his backup. He brought in his child that was there from the beginning, the word. And he said, it was good. It was very good. Just wasn't good. Okay? It was very good. So you hold on to that, and let's move forward. So this morning, I'm going to talk about two people, one via another one, but we're going to talk about the prophet Jeremiah. And a young man kind of reminds me of like a modern-day Robin. He was a backup. Okay? Eventually goes on to do incredible things, but we're going to talk about Timothy. If you were in service last week, Reverend Tony talked about Saul on the road. Y'all remember Saul? And you don't remember Saul, so there was this man, he was really not such a great guy. And he's on this road, and that's when people come, oh, I'm on the road to Damascus. I was like, what is that? Is that a street? I really didn't know until I read the story. And the road to Damascus is metaphorically speaking a path to transition, a path to a different relationship. And so this Saul is on this road, and that's what Reverend Tony was preaching about, and he has a change. He has an interaction. Jesus speaks to him. You know, they're talking to him, and, and he changes, and God is saying, you know, and he calls out, Jesus, are you talking to me kind of thing? But he changes, and he's go, he goes blind. So this same Paul, after he has his epiphany and his awakening, becomes Paul, and later on, he is traveling. And Paul 
meets a young man. This is what we talked about last week in our class. You guys remember we talked about academics? Mm -hmm. Same thing. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take a minute, talk about Prophet Jeremiah, talk about Paul, talk about Timothy, but it's seen through the eyes of Paul. Okay? So background on Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a faithful person. He had a very difficult task in front of him. He, God gave him an assignment, and he gave him strong words and challenged him and said, go correct my people, go execute my word. And Jeremiah was like, I don't know about all that. And they described Jeremiah at the time as this weeping prophet, and they said he had an incredible, gentle heart. And I guess it would be difficult to correct people all the time and to warn them. You know, that was his job. I'm going to tell you what you need to do, and we're going to warn you. So Jeremiah, known as this weeping prophet, and then you'll also see that later on he's classified as what they call a, um, a major prophet, which means that he, his words appear in a greater volume than some of the other prophets. There are actually four. But Jeremiah is given a task. And you're like, okay, well, we all get a task. But what he does with it, and how he receives it, and when he, I guess, I don't know if he questioned God, but God's going to speak some words to him, okay? So we talk about this prophet. They called him a weeping prophet because he was kind, emotional, and at some point, all I could think that he questioned God, and God must have spoken to him because he's getting a word from God. And God told him, remember who created you? Yes, God told him. Before I formed you in a womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I anointed you as a prophet to all nations. So what you just should have picked up is that before you were born, God knew. God created you. He knew this before you were even physically born, and he set you apart. Hold on to that. So in Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13, and he talks about, I know the plans I have for you. So this is Jeremiah telling the people of Israel, come on, y'all, do what's right. God's going to get y'all. That's really what he's saying, right? And so he's telling them that there is something bad that's going to happen, and I need to warn you. So straighten up and do what you need to do. So you go through in this verse, and I'm going to read it again, it's often misquoted. It's misquoted because we use it like we're talking to people. But he was talking to a nation. But in this case, that's what the Bible is all about. Read something and apply it to your life. It's just not words in a book. You should be able to pick up some stuff and say, ah, oh, yeah, if you did it for him and you saved him, you're going to do it for me. So let's talk about this. So you get this prophet telling these people, you got to straighten up. I see you doing wrong. You out here got other gods, even to the point where they were sacrificing children. He, God said, no, no, go tell them, because I'm going to get them. Kind of thing. So he says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. God didn't want you to be poor. He doesn't want you to be harmful. He doesn't want you to be sick. He doesn't want that. He said, I want you to prosper. I'm here to help you, because I made you. Why am I going to make something and not want to do the best for it? doesn't make sense. So he says, I have plans for you to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope. Jadon, the other day we were in our class and we were talking about flesh versus what? Spirit, right. She was in her class. We do this. I'm telling you, these kids are on their game. Flesh versus spirit. My team played tug of war. They it's like, Wilborn, my hands burn. I got rope burn. I'm like, you okay? Know that, you know? So we're going flesh against spirit, and we're going to come back to that. And Jadon, in this moment, he said, hmm, you know, in the battles, he said, sometimes we're going to fail. Jadon, do you remember? And he said, sometimes you're in a hole, and it's deep. And you can't get out. He said, but you can. He said, I can get out. Even regardless of how bad things are, you can get out. Jadon, why could you get out? Say it again. Take your mask off for just a second. 
you got other people to help you. So he starts rattling off mom and dad. He's like, I got my church people. And then he says, but I got Jesus. That's what I said, too. I was like, wow. You know, so when we talk about hope, and if you know that you have somebody that's there to hope you, you're never going to get in a hole that's too deep to get out. I didn't say you're not going to get in a hole, but you're going to be able to get out. Okay? And so when you talk about this warning that God has given you, this warning because those are his people, but he's saying you got to do right. So when you get in a hole, just know you can get out. Okay? So there was another warning that we're going to talk about for just for a minute because it tells you in this same flesh, spirit was in Galatians. And you're going to battle for everything that's good, there's something bad, and everything bad, there's something good. So it talks about that we walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of your flesh. So the kids that were in the group, and I don't know about y'all adults, but sometimes you have to go back and look at these words and see where you fall. So we talked about sexual immorality, impurity, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, decisions, infractions, envy, and drunkenness. Even throughout the word orgies, I said, get your dictionary. Use your phone for good. So my kids started looking. They were like, oh, my goodness. I said, yeah, that's real. So he says, but I warn you as I did before, those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. He said, but on the flip side, here's this good stuff. The good stuff was love joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, against which there is no law. So what he's saying is that there's a whole bunch of bad, but there's more good. And you got to just tug it. You think about that tug of war. It's real, guys. I can't even get, in the, get up here and talk about the things I've seen. So what we learned from Jeremiah, okay, is that God selected him when? Before he was born. He, before he was even created, God ordained him. He selected him. Just like with you, he gave him purpose. So here is a young man that's following the calling of God. The second young man is Timothy. Now, Paul is writing his story. Um, we're introduced to him in Acts, and then again in Timothy. Background to Timothy is that Paul met Timothy while um, traveling to Lystra, his hometown. He was a son of a Jewish father and a Greek mother. So he really didn't fit in very well. But Paul saw something good in him, and Paul became his mentor. And even though Timothy was young, and that's what he's saying, was he was very young. You guys are young. But it shouldn't stop you, and that's what we're going to talk about. So he says that Timothy... Paul became a mentor to Timothy. And that's the verse that you guys read. And it said, physical training, some value, but godliness holds greater promise. Because you're going to do this for long term. This just isn't to get you in shape. So the verse that I love said, do not let anyone look down on you because you are young. Set an example in speech. What does that mean? Your mouth should not be cursing. Your mouth should not be arguing with your parents. Your mouth should only praise God and do what you're supposed to do. Okay? Because the same mouth that praises God and says thank you should not have that foulness. I didn't make it up. It says speech, conduct, how you behave and what you act like. Check yourself. Understand who you belong to. Understand who made you and your purpose. It's greater than the foolishness that we see in this world. Love, faith, and purity. We'll talk about that in that back room. Okay? And then he goes on to say, do not neglect the gift that you have been given. God gave every one of us something. Regardless of how we function cognitively, I told you about me failing class, microbiology, what? I had to take it three times. Three times. We don't all have the same cognitive ability, but we all can have the same drive and determination to get to your goals. So it says, do not neglect what God has given you. He's put his hands on you. So what do we learn from Timothy? Is that you're not too young. You have to follow the rules. You have a purpose to teach, to 
to behave correctly. And when you do those things, watch what's going to happen. So two major lessons that we learn from Jeremiah, it's actually three, Jeremiah and Timothy, this body called the temple. You guys know about temple people go to the temple and worship God? There's a temple because inside of the temple is a spirit. And what you do, how you behave, you keep in mind who's inside of you. That's why people like, what are you pouring into the children? What are you pouring into people? It's because it's a holy. Because it's holy. So your body is going to go into, and we're going to talk about worship. And it says, this is in Romans 12, 1 through 2, a living sacrifice. Don't have to kill an animal. Don't have to kill a baby. You just live right. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. What you do is how you worship God, giving him thanks just because he is. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. you got to change the way you think, the way you work, all of those things. It says, then you will be able to test and approve God's will that is pleasing and perfect. Number two, you got to do God's work, whatever it is, okay? You have an assignment. I don't know what it is. It's maybe starting off being kind to your siblings, your, your family, and then it's going to start to grow. And so when we talk about this assignment, he goes on in 2 Timothy, do your best present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Don't do something in the dark and you don't think somebody's going to see it. Y'all in that TikTok and that other stuff. I'm like, how do these people not know somebody else is going to see it? I, I, seriously. You know, the things that we do, I'm like, I, I just don't get it. You can't do it. You just can't. You make a tape today. I have not hired people. Because somebody's reputation. They've had students that can't get into schools because you made some statement online. You need to think about it. That stuff is real. And it will haunt you and impact your career. So he tells you a worker who does not need to be ashamed. Whatever you do, you need to do it for the glory of God. I don't care what it is. I don't. You know, you don't have to be some brilliant scholar, whatever, I don't care. But whatever it is that you do, you work as if you're working for God and the kingdom. You just, y'all go, you're going to learn. The third thing that you have to do is you have to witness. If somebody says you're at a lunchroom table and you're thinking, oh, I got to eat, but I don't want to stop and tell God thank you or to pause a moment to pray, or you go out and you see somebody that's hurt or something, and somebody asks you, do you believe in God? And you're like, no, nah, I don't know too much about him because you don't want to seem like you're the outcast. Check yourself. It's going to come back. But see, he's not going to say that about you. So we witness. We tell God's goodness, his deeds, and his saving acts in our lives. Psalm 71, verses 14 through 18 says, As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds and your saving acts all day long. Though I do not know how to relate to them all, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds. Listen to this. Since my youth, this is David talking, God, you have taught me. And to this day, I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me. My God, listen to this, till I declare your power to the next generation, which means we all have a task, adults in this room, you're responsible. You have to tell them about the goodness of God in your life so they see you as an example that I made it. How did Charles get to be the man Charles is? Charles needs to tell us because that's a secret that we need to know. That's a good man. And we have to know, Charles, what do you attribute that to? And Charles is going to say, you know what? I pray. I read. I 
try to be a good person. I try to honor my wife. I try to honor my children. And he's going to go through this long list. And you'd be like, that's all right. Ask your dad. Ask your father. Why is your dad here? Why is your dad here? Ask him. These are good people. So we as adults have an obligation to you as a child. We do. And you've got to hold us accountable. If you see me doing something wrong, Will Bourne, you know that ain't right. That's all you got to say. I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's all I got to say. Okay, so my part of my, I'm going to read two more verses, and then we'll transition to something else. But I write a lot. And when um, I was kind of putting this stuff together, and I was like, why does it sound familiar? I told you I sit in the back and I write, right? And so I was like, you know what? I've heard this. I've heard this. And the date is September 8th, 2020, 2019. Title of the sermon was a win-win situation. Psalm 34, verses 1 through 8. Philippians 1, 12, 21 through 30. Pastor Preston did a sermon called win-win situation. And my notes, here they are, said, mm, what's your purpose? To worship, to work, to witness. And I was like, oh, that's what I found too. Must not be wrong, you know? So I take notes a lot. And I want you to remember, one, phase one, God created you. He said it was good, very good. Then you see an example of two people that are young, that are working for God, worshiping God, and witnessing for God. So there's this challenge out there. And you're like, all right. So Psalm 32, verse 8, I'm going to read a couple of these little quick snippets. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. That's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying. That's why these books are here. That's why there's a book on every level. Because we need to teach you the way to go. Because if you listen to TikTok and all the social media, I know where you're going to go. And it's not going to end up nice. So we have a purpose to teach you, instruct you the way you should go. He goes on to say, I will counsel you. This is God with my loving eye on you. God is with you at all times. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lead not in your understanding. Don't think you know the answers. You don't. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Proverbs 16, 3 through 4 says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord will work out everything in the proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. So, I was like, wow, he's got a plan. And you see, this is my book. Um, this was a King James version of a Bible I've had since 16. And when I tell you this thing got me through life, um, it's highlighted and it's all this stuff. And so I am going to, part of what I was supposed to do today was to talk to you about purpose and God. Okay, I've done that. The other part of it is to tell you my story. And so I am dressed like this. I've always been dressed like this. Yanni, you probably never seen me. You're not dressed in a striped shirt, typically blue or green, pair of blue jeans. I don't like things around my ankles. Um, if it's in the summertime, I have on flip-flops. Winter, I got on sneakers. And I'm going to tell you a story as I transition over here for just a second. Um, I had to learn the tough way that this doesn't matter. Because when I was about your age and eighth grade, I had one pair of pants, one pair of shoes, and I would have to go home, you know, after about that day two, man, in eighth grade, you know y'all stinking, I was stinky too, you know, I was like, that's all I had, but I had to get up and go to school, and so with that, I really took on this, this, I don't know, demeanor that that didn't matter. What mattered was what was inside of me. And I learned that because kids can be cruel. So I didn't really care. And so when I was in high school, we had problems, man. You know, we didn't have a lot. 
And um, I just remember I started working as a lifeguard. And I finally got some money in my feet. I actually were like 11 and a half, uh, which is very long. And um, I finally got my job, got my paycheck, and I go get some shoes, got some money in my pocket, and I'm frustrated because I can't find shoes because I can't, you know, I fall down on heels, and I really just wanted something comfortable. And I'm coming back, and I'm on this four-way, like, highway or whatever you want to call it. It wasn't a highway, but, you know, four-lane road. And there's a man crossing the street. He doesn't have legs. I said, I'm not going to complain about my shoes anymore. And God gives you these lessons. So when I was in high school, it was hard. It was, you know, I, I think I had the cognitive abilities, but there was just so many outside forces. And I was like, all I'm going to do is get through. So I think I pulled it off. And technically... I finished high school with a 2.023. What's that? That's a C minus. In some world, that's a D. Two steps from an F. But I just want you to know I went on. I went to work. And things started to click. And eventually, I went to grad school. And I started to study more. And... Jessica, you said make sure this clip is on the outside. Started to study a whole lot. And I found focus. I was focused when I was younger. I just didn't want to do. I calculated how to get certain points. And I went back to school. And I graduated with a master's. With a, I think I was cum laude. I think I was magna. And then I was summa cum laude. And my point is this. This robe represents a doctoral degree. And I'm the same kid that had a 2.023 in high school. When the counselor said, you're going to go to a community college, I said, and if I do, it's okay. Because I know where I'm going. Um, and... Right now, one of your faithful members, um, Solomon, where's Mr. Burton? Is he here? He's out in the back, yeah. So Solomon, where's Deacon Diana Bing Lawson? Solomon right now is at Hampton University, just touring campus. He was accepted to seven universities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When people think that you are not going to do you got to settle down and say, nope, I know who made me. I know why I'm here and what I'm capable of doing. Because with God, all things are possible. And if you let go of that sentiment, you're going to lose sight. Yanni, um, from the beginning, has been, I call a funky little baby. You know, she's, her mindset. And this was really interesting. And parents, I'm sure you can attest to the fact that you can see what your child is going to be. Yanni is in a path that God has set. He ordained her for something. And you have to continue to pour into these children, even when they're crazy, because they will be crazy. And, you know, and they lose their minds and they come back later on. But the thought is that... I remember one time I was super crazy, and I was like, somebody help me. And they were like, but what was the first thing you did? I was like, oh, girl, you know, I was two steps from whatever. And they said, nope, first thing you should have done was said what? I love you. That's the most important thing. Again, adults, we are charged. These are our children. Every one of them. You see them doing something wrong, you need to go back to the old-fashioned neighborhood and be like, uh-uh, I'm telling your mama, straighten up. Because we have to do that. So when we talk about who we are and what we want them to be, we go into this phase. So again, I um, wear this robe very seldom because it's hot. Um, but what you see are the colors of Virginia Tech. Um, this is my doctoral hooding. And it doesn't change who's inside of me and who's under this robe. So, just wanted to tell you that. We're going to talk about something else. 
So you got part one, you got part two. This is the end. You're going to part three. You're okay, Faye? Still here? All right, just checking. Okay? So we want to look at 1 Corinthians 2, 9. And it says, however, as it is written, listen, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You don't know what your path is going to be. You don't. I was a 2.023, came out of a major university, school of business, with that kind of GPA. You don't know. You just have to be faithful. You just have to stay focused on what you're doing. And sometimes you're going to say, no, I cannot go out. Because I know I have to study twice as hard. And no, I can't do this because people are looking at me and they're going to judge me and they're going to say, what was she doing? I thought she was supposed to be this. Be mindful, okay? So I don't want you guys to be afraid. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you at all times. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid nor discouraged. And so a part of me growing up was, again, this tattered Bible, and I used to walk to church um, on Sundays at Tuskegee. I used to hang out in the library. And we're going to take a clip, please, of something that impacted me greatly. Agricultural research. George Washington Carver overcame numerous obstacles to achieve a graduate education and gain international fame as an educator, inventor, and scientist. In 1896, he became the head of a new school of agriculture at Tuskegee Normal and Industrial Institute. He spent the next 25 years seeking solutions to the hardship that debt and overdependence on cotton cultivation caused black sharecroppers and tenant farmers. For most of his career, Carver labored in relative obscurity until his 1921 testimony at the U.S. House of Representatives in favor of peanut tariffs, which launched his public persona as the peanut man. By the time of his death on January 5, 1943, Carver was a world-renowned figure. His work improved the lives of hundreds of black Alabamians and was instrumental in pioneering ecologically sound and sustainable technology. Carver is buried in the Tuskegee University Campus Cemetery. So that's who he is. Mm -mm. This is what got me through on many a days, and we all need to listen to this. Um, in 1942, he was doing a commencement speech um, based on a, a poem. And this is what he said to inspire his people. Figure it out for yourself, my lad. You've all that the greatest of men has had. Two arms, two hands, two legs, two eyes, and a brain to use if you would be wise. With this equipment, they all began. So start to the top and say, I can. Look them over the wise and great. They take their food from the common plate. And similar knives and forks they use. With similar laces, they tie their shoes. The world considers them brave and smart, but you've all they had when they made their start. You can triumph and come to steal. You can be great if you only will. You're well equipped for what fight you choose. You've legs and arms and a brain to use, and a man who has written great deeds to do began his life with no more than you. You are the handicapped, you must say. You are the one who must choose your place. You must say where you want to go, how much you will study the truth to know. God has equipped you for life, but he lets you to decide what you want to be. Courage must come from the soul within. The man must punish the will to win. So figure it out for yourself, my lad. You are born with all that the great have had. With your equipment, they all began. Get hold of yourself and say, I can. I am not sure that I am worthy of this splendid citation, but uh, I wish to say also that I thank you from the depths of my heart. Okay, so it's hard to hear him. And did you notice how high his voice is? 
Um, they're not really sure. There are rumors out there of what happened to him, but what we do know is he was a very sickly child. He was born into slavery um, in Missouri. He made his way to Alabama. He eventually goes on to get a Ph.D. But he studies agriculture because he couldn't go out into the field to, to share crop, but he could help till the soils and stuff like that. So I used to go listen to it, and I couldn't hear it. The voice was so high. But I want to read this because you go back to what we told the little kids. What did they have? Ears, eyes, nose, yeah, and a mouth. So he says, figure it out for yourself, my lad. You've all that the greatest of men have had. Two arms, two hands, two legs, two eyes, and a brain to use if you would be wise. With the equipment, they all began. So start for the top and say, I can. God gave you your equipment. Don't tell me you can't do something. Look them over, the wise and the great. They take their food from a common plate. We suffer from something called comparison. Oh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. You got to let that spirit go. They take their food from a common plate with similar knives and forks they use, with similar laces. They tie their shoes. The world consider them, considers them brave and smart, but you've all that they had when they made their start. Think of somebody that you were like, this is who I want to be. Guess what? They do the same things you do. Brush their own teeth, go to the bathroom. I won't say what else, but they do it. They've got to do these things for themselves. So you're no different. He goes on to say, if you triumph and come to skill, you can be great if only you will. If you sit on your behind and play those games and do nothing to help yourself grow, you will remain on your behind doing nothing and sitting there. You're all well equipped for the fight you choose. You have legs and arms and a brain to use. And the man who has risen to great deeds to do began his life with no more than you. No more. And even if he did, you can get out there and work. You are the handicap you must face. You are the one who must choose your place. If you want to be a CEO, if you want to be a doctor, if you want to be a preacher, if you want to be a lawyer, an engineer, a microbiologist, you've got to do the work. Nobody else can do it. You cannot. So you're going to be that handicap that you have to deal with. How much you will study the truth to know, but God equipped you for life, but he lets you choose. He's going to sit there and watch. He knows what he did. He knows what he gave you. It's your choice. Courage has to come from within, the soul. Man must furnish the will to win. you got to figure it out, he says. Get a hold of yourself. So here's a poem of encouragement and motivation, talking about hard work and strength. And so you talk about these things, and you talk about, in Romans it says that we all have different gifts. I went back to my, uh, Yanni, I looked at yours too, your spiritual profile that Deacon O did, you know, in our class. And I said, here are my talents. And I said, am I lining up what God has gifted me to do? That's what you got to ask yourself. I am not a preacher. That didn't come up on my uh, checklist. So you got something to say, you know what, it's all right. Um, I am a teacher. And what you have to remember is whatever gift God gave you, that's what you have to use. So when we talk about closing out Black History Month, Here's your personal lesson. It's not about the past. It's about creating a future. It's about creating your own legacy, acknowledging that you are a history maker. You're going to ask yourself, what will it say about you? Did you see, use your gifts to God's glory or personal gain? Were you kind or were you self-absorbed? Did you worship God and give him thanks or just sit there and say, oh, I'm lucky. That was lucky. Because people will do that. They don't acknowledge God and where these blessings are come from. Will you believe in a higher power in the universe? Or do you acknowledge that you have a relationship with the maker of that same universe? Do you work for God's kingdom or wait till next time? Do you tell somebody about God's goodness or just keep moving? Do you do what is good and right according to the teachings of Jesus Christ? Are you able to praise God? Do you thank him? 
Are you kind to people? Do you work for God? Do you witness for God? Do you give God his credit? I have this assignment today because I surrendered my life to God. And I said, yes, I'm able. In a conversation, I had just talked about Pastor Preston. How are you doing? I was like, you know what, all the cliches. And I said, but I'm able. And then she said, I guess you figured. Well, then I'm going to go ahead and ask this because you just said you're able. And I, what can I say, you know? So what I need for you guys to do is to understand that you are able. Whatever the goal is, whatever you're trying to accomplish, God has equipped you to do these things. So you need to do some breaking up first, though. You need to leave some people alone. You need to break up with the spirit of comparison. Oh, she got this. I don't have. Break up. Break up with doubt. Break up with fear and plain old laziness. You got to leave it behind. You got to build up on this relationship of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you've got to experience the goodness of God in the land of the living because you will be blessed. You don't have to wait till the afterlife. He's going to do that now. And one person told me, they said, an intimate relationship with God. I said, what? That sounded crazy to me, you know? And I said, and I, I didn't understand. And so I invite all of you guys to go back and read Psalm 139. And he says, you search me, Lord, and you know me. You know, when I sit down and rise up, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before the words are on my tongue, Lord, you know them completely. You hem me up and before, and you lay down your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wing of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light comes before, becomes night around me, even in the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like day, for the darkness is as light to you. Listen to this. You created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know full well and beyond. You guys have to acknowledge who you are. You have to acknowledge that you were made with purpose, that you were designed and formed in the image of God. And we talk about you growing and being you're going to define your own black history. Whatever this history is, the things you do, you're in a position to become. And Yanni, as she walks out the door a lot of times on the weekend, I'm like, hey, you know what? I always talk about this, and I'm going to leave it with you. It's like, you got to figure it out. And you've got all the greats that people have had, and you've got to make good choices. You got to make great choices. Better yet, you've got to make godly choices. And so it's just not enough to stop and say, I'm okay. Mm -mm. You've got to keep that in mind. And so when you talk about this, your history is, your future is black history, the things that you're going to do. You don't have to go back and listen to Carver. You make your own poems. You write about what you know. And it's talking about because you were created and equipped for greatness. You're wonderfully made. And all the people around you are here to support you. And that's what it's about. It's about you knowing who you are. Questions? Comments? You guys get it? So if you get it, then you're going to be held accountable. Okay? Got it? All right, that's my story. That's who you are. It's our lesson. Um, I wish you well. We pray for you. And it's important that you guys realize who you are and what's inside of you, okay? You can run away now to your parents again. Goodbye.
Thank you for listening. It is our prayer that this message will enlighten and empower you to do the will of God. If you have a prayer request or praise report or like additional information on Pleasant Grove Church or other recorded messages, come visit us in person or write to us at Pleasant Grove Church, Post Office Box 3603, Cary, North Carolina, 27519. Or call us at 919-363-5198. Or visit us on the web at www.pgc-carry.org. Thank you again.